Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. This is Denise Brown, your host of Your Caregiving Journey, a talk show that helps you as you help family members and friends. It's Wednesday, August 3rd. It's 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, and we're live out of Chicago. Today is our monthly show with Liz O'Donnell. We rescheduled from last week to today. So this is our monthly conversation about working family caregivers. In just a few moments, Liz is going to join us. And today we're going to talk about where do you give your time? Because it can feel like you have to choose. Is it the growing kids, the caregiving crisis, the career you want to nurture as well? So Liz will share her thoughts in just a few moments. So this morning I announced our contest around our National Caregiving Conference. So the conference is December 2nd and 3rd in Chicago. We have an afternoon of intensives, including one from Liz, and she'll tell us a little bit about it today too, on the afternoon of December 2nd. And then our full day conference is December 3rd. And when I say full, I mean full. You're going to be running. (laughs) So wear your gym shoes. And we're going to help you get there with our contest, which launches August 15th. So we have five cash prizes to give away. $750, $500, $300, $250, and $200. And so the cash prizes are to help you offset the costs of coming to Chicago. Anyone who cares for a family member or friend is eligible to enter. You could enter if you live in the Chicagoland area and you know your respite care costs are going to be high for that day or for those two days if you want to join us on Friday too. So it's not just for those outside the Chicago area. It's for anyone who wants to come to the conference but is very concerned about the costs. So we're trying to make it affordable for those who are worried about costs. So again, we've got five cash prizes. The contest begins August 15th. It ends August 25th. And there are details about the contest on caregiving.com. We have two other contests that help you attend the conference for free. So the day-long conference on Saturday costs 10 bucks to get in, but we've got a couple contests that will waive your registration fee. One is called Caravan. So load up your van with your support group members and drive to Chicago, decorate your van, and you'll be entered into a contest to win during that day, September, uh, December 3rd. And the other contest we're having is a fashion show on that Saturday, December 3rd. So wear the fashion (laughs) that you sport when you care. So how you look when you provide care is what we want to see in our fashion show. So if you want to be in the fashion show, you get into the conference for free. Again, there's details about those conference, about those contests on caregiving.com. And I'm going to announce the agenda for our conference tomorrow, which is August 4th. And it's a preliminary agenda. gives you an idea of what's going on. There might be a few changes, but it's it's probably about 85% there. So I wanted to let you know what you can expect when you join us in, in December. And I also wanted to get you thinking about coming. If you're thinking, oh, should I go? Would it be worth my time? When you see the agenda, you'll see it's worth your time. And then lastly, 20 years ago today, 
I bought the domain name caregiving.com. So this is our birthday, and we are celebrating tomorrow. So join us tomorrow on caregiving.com, and you'll be entered into a chance to win Amazon.com gift cards and copies of my most recent book, which is Take Even More Comfort. So details about our birthday celebration are on caregiving.com. And again, you'll want to join us on August 4th when we celebrate our 20th birthday. Hard to believe. So much has changed, and I will tell you, so little has changed. That is what's fascinating about two decades. And then lastly, as part of our birthday celebration, we are offering free Kindle books every week through the month of August. And this week, you can download Take More Comfort on Kindle. It's a free download. And information about how to get the book is on caregiving.com. So those are the updates. Join me this morning, the founder of WorkingDaughter.com, a website for women balancing career and caregiving, something she tries to do every day. Liz runs the East Coast operations of a PR firm and cares for her 90-year-old father. She's also a working mother. She has a high schooler, soon-to-be high schooler, and a middle schooler at home, and is the author of the book, Mogul Mom and Maid, The Balancing Act of the Modern Woman. So welcome, Liz. Thanks for being with us today. Thank you, and happy birthday. And um, there was something else you just announced that I said, oh, I have to congratulate her for so many things. Well, anyway, 20 years <laughs> is pretty impressive. I've already yeah. forgotten. I'm a caregiver. Uh, it's okay. It's okay. You don't have to choose to give me your time with congratulations today, Liz. It's okay. Cause that's what we're talking about, right? Where do we put our time? Oh my gosh. So, true. so we have full lives, which is fantastic. And it's what we want. We want to feel like we've got a lot going on in our lives because it really feeds so different many areas of our soul and our heart. So we've got kids we're taking care of. We've got a career that we are nurturing forward, and then we've got caregiving, which can feel like it's an ongoing crisis. And then we think, okay, where does our time go? So the inspiration for today's show is really something that Liz posted on Facebook the other day, and it was about your son. So I'd love for you to share a little bit about what he just accomplished. Oh, if I have to, I guess I'll brag. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, so my son uh, just competed in the National Spanish Spelling Bee, which uh, up until two years ago, I didn't even know existed. Um, but in the seventh grade, he um, a new teacher came to his school, and she knew about the spelling bee, so she got the school involved. They had a classroom bee, and then the winners of the classroom bees competed in school-wide bee, and he was one of the top winners. So he went to the semifinals, and that year he placed seventh. And then this year, same thing, he won in the class and the school, and he went to the semifinals, and he was in it to win it. And he came in second after a, like, 17-word round, you know, word off, I guess, or spell off with the winner. Um, I'm telling you, it was better than any soccer game I've watched the kids play. It was a nail-biter. It was really fun. And so um, in coming in second, he qualified for the Nationals which was in San Antonio. And so we said, what the heck? Let's all go to San Antonio in July. (laughs) And uh, we just had a little family vacation, and he competed. And uh, we're really proud of him. He came in 17th out of uh, everybody. 
and uh, one of the one of only I think five kids who um, don't doesn't speak Spanish at home, and one of a handful of kids who isn't in a full immersion program. So, um, for a non-native speaker, we were we were really proud. Oh yeah, that's awesome. That's actually just remarkable. <laughs> that's awesome. Oh my gosh. So we what an amazing. I didn't even understand, you know, the instructions when we, I mean I, oh, I studied Spanish right. for years, but um, yeah, I didn't even know what they were saying at the beach. That's awesome. You know, it's an amazing moment for him. It's an amazing moment for your family. It's an amazing moment for you as parents, you and your husband. And these are the moments, right, that you just think, oh, my gosh, this is a keeper. This is where I want to put my time. Absolutely. And, so, and you know what? It was time, Denise. He and I, leading up to the semifinals, studied probably two hours a night for weeks. Wow. Wow. So it's carving out that time and it's saying, this is the priority. This is where I'm going to put my time. Sounds easy after, right? So it sounds like what a great investment of your time. However, I would imagine before you started this process, you probably were thinking maybe a little bit, oh gosh, this is going to be a lot of time. Do I have time? Did you have thoughts like that? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All all of the time I had thoughts about my time. Um, two hours a night. I mean, I I don't have, well, here's the thing. I mean, if I look at my calendar in my life, I think I don't have two hours a night, but you make it. And that's the thing. We can always find time for what matters most. And there were certainly times when, um, well, you know, after he won the semi, you know, when he placed second in the semifinals and therefore qualified for the nationals, I mean, I really had my doubts. Like, I could, I was looking at that finish line of the semifinals to get my life back or my two hours a night back. And all of a sudden, we're going to go to finals. And it's not just about him at this point. It was about my investment as well. So how do you decide where your time goes? Yeah, Um Excellent question. For me, you know, I have this formula that I coach women through. Um, that came up with it when I was writing my book about working mothers, and it's so applicable to working daughters and caregivers of all types or, you know, really any busy person, right? But for me, I go through, I might have talked about it with you before, but I go through this process where I look at what are all the things that I want to accomplish or that are priorities for me in my life. And then I go through that list again and think, okay, what can wait? What doesn't have to happen now? Mm. And then I call through that one more time to think about what are the things on that list that really aren't what I want. But, you know, we've talked about shoulds many times, I think. What are those things that I'm hearing, you know, other people's voices saying, Liz, you should be doing this. Mm. Um, And once I call out the shoulds, once I put aside what doesn't have to happen now, that list gets kind of small. It gets to about four or five items. And those are the things I make time for. And everything else, I'm just, I get comfortable with letting drop off. And that list does not stay all the time. So when my son is, you know, studying for this National Spanish Spelling Bee, it's a different list than it is the day after the National Spanish Spelling Bee or, you know, a month before. So I think that's a really important thing is what sometimes when we're caregivers, we feel like this is it, right? This is our life forever. It's never going to change. We'll never get our life back because the days are long and the 
stress and the grief are real, but nothing's forever. And I think as much as we can sort of say, okay, this is my life now, right now, I'm a bee mom, <laughs> like a soccer mom, right? <laughs> you are a bee mom. I love I'm that. I'm a bee mom. <laughs> I hope you have a T-shirt, and I hope it says it in Spanish, like English in the front, Spanish in the back. Yo, yo, it. Tiango. I don't know. I don't know. I can't. Yo, you know, be, a, 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 madre. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> si, I si. don't know. Yeah, yeah, but I'm not going to be a bee mom forever, right? Right, yeah. Well, here's something, a conversation that I had yesterday, which is just coming up for me. And so a year ago, my parents were just, it was just a mess. My mom, in essence, was dying in the hospital and my dad was dying at home. And so I was trying to keep my business and all that it requires going at the same pace that it would if those incidents, those episodes weren't happening. What was happening is that I was canceling stuff at the last minute because something would come up again that I wasn't expecting. I would think, okay, I think I've got it. But then there would be something else that happened because their health was so fragile. So what I ended up doing is giving up Saturday morning podcasts that I had done for years. And I also gave up Friday video chats that I had been doing for years. I gave both of those up. And at the time it was the right decision. I know that. I know that. But you know what came up for me is that I thought, oh, I worked so hard to get to that place where I had people listening to me every Saturday or I had people joining me on Friday for a video chat. It's hard to cultivate and keep that audience. And I'd work so hard to get there to keep it. And then I had to let it go. And that was what was coming up for me yesterday. I thought, oh, gosh, that was, that was the right decision. It truly was. And yet it still felt hard even a year later. I think you're touching so, on something really important there, which is the right decision long term doesn't always feel like the right decision short term. And, when, and in the short term, um, you know, we are usually under pressure and stress, and it's hard to let go of the things we've built. And I hear this from working caregivers all the time. All the time I hear, you know, why do I have to place my dreams on hold? Or yes, I'm sad right. that I have to place my dreams on hold. And I have felt it many times, whether it's, you know, I mean, I wasn't blogging. Working daughter wasn't, you know, was far from booming. If you look at my traffic numbers for, you know, the month before the regionals and the month before the finals and are the, you know, my, my posting rate, it drops. And that is definitely hard. I mean, I would lie if I didn't say, you know, I'm a little pouty, not pouty about that. I'm, it's disappointing. And I think, but I think it's okay to be disappointed, but also know because I work full time, because I've, you know, back and forth seeing my dad and taking care of my dad and, because I'm also running working daughter on the side and because I have two kids and every now and then I have to say hello to my husband. <laughs> yeah, that would it's, be good. Check in with him. Yeah, yeah. I guess so. Things will suffer <laughs> and it doesn't feel yeah. comfortable in the moment because working daughter is where, you know, so much of my heart is. Um, but it's okay. I, you know, it, there's, there's no doubt in my mind that those two hours a night studying with my son you know, not just the, you know, seeing him on stage and the recognition he got for his placement. Those were wonderful times together. And so, 
it's all going to be okay. Yeah. Yes, it will. It will. I think it is important to acknowledge that it does hurt when you, you um, put so much and then you think, okay, I just have to let this go. One of the things that we were talking about before our show started was my laser focus on the National Caregiving Conference. I am really tunnel vision with it, which means I haven't really been that present with my parents for the past few days. And that feels very, feels very ironic to me that I am doing this for the the cause of caregiving, and yet my personal cause of caregiving is being slighted right <sighs> So there's the guilt about that, too. What is, you know, what is the right decision? What is the right priority? And I will touch base with my parents, and I'm sure they will not say anything like, where have you been? What have you been doing? Fingers crossed. But there's that right. guilt that we put on ourselves that creates the reality. So maybe my parents have just been too busy themselves <laughs> to think about me. And so I've made assumptions about it. That's what I hope anyway. So it's Yeah, important. I think we do. Sorry to cut you off. I think we put oh, no. a lot. Of, well, I, you know what? I think a lot of it, if you sort of peeled it back and peeled it back, there's a should back there, right? You're thinking, yes, I should yes. be spending some of this time on my parents and I am instead spending time on something that's really important to me. You know, the vision yes. of a conference is something that is so important to you. And then again, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the call started. There's the in the personal good versus the greater good. You are going to touch so many people by hosting this conference. It, it, I mean, the, the respite program and the contest you're offering, the ability for all of us to come together and meet each other and have some time and be educated. I mean, amazing, amazing. But as individuals, we go back to, yes, but isn't my, you know, but shouldn't yes. I be most focused on the people that I am related to? Yes, yeah, it's hard, no isn't answer. it? There's no answer. No, no. Yeah, I I think that unless you are looking honestly at your life and your decisions, it's hard to really understand how hard it is. And what's interesting is that it feels like these are factual decisions when really they're emotional decisions, right? And so our emotions around our work are important to acknowledge. We are proud of what we do. We are inspired by what we do. We enjoy challenging ourselves, working hard. So there's the emotion of that, and then there's the emotion of parenting and caregiving. And sometimes it can feel like you're prioritizing your emotions, which can be That's tough, too. That's a really too. good point. That's a really good point. Yeah, and I think it becomes especially complicated when we are the more able-bodied or, you know, um, the ones in the the family relationships who are less in need. I don't know how to describe it. But, you know, we are caring for people who clearly need care, elderly, you know, frail, sick, lonely, whatever it might be, plus you know, potentially children, you brought them into this world, they're your responsibility, they need, you know, more support from another being than we do as adults. So um, 
there is that. But I think if we can think objectively and less emotionally about what is it they really, what are the basics that they need and are they being met? And I'm not talking about neglecting them, but sometimes I think, you know, because society, we, you know, fills us and the media fills us with images of the perfect woman. Mm-hmm. We think that we should, there it is again, you know, be giving so much more. And, you know, when you think about parenting, for example, and think about, um, you know, our generation, the parents opened the back door and you went out for the day and you came home when the streetlights came on. They weren't at every game and they weren't playing every game with you and they weren't, you know, everything happened in your home and in your yard and in your kitchen. You went out into the neighborhood and you came back. And um, now we are spending, there's some statistic that parents are spending more time as working parents with their children than non-working parents might have spent with us when we were children. That's self-imposed. That is a self-imposed pressure that we must be this perfect image. And I think it's easy to feel the same way as caregivers because what do we always hear? There's no greater gift to take care of your parents, you know. Sacrifice is everything. It's all wonderful. And, you know, so I think we can give a level of love and care without giving up our own lives. Sounds selfish, doesn't it? No, it sounds awesome. I feel (laughs) like that is the way to do it. it. And you know what? The way we do that is by sharing with others how we're doing it because you can feel alone in making choices where it feels like, okay, well, my life is a bit of a priority here. And I'm, I'm wondering if that is the way it should be. And I think it's important that we all share. Yeah, go ahead. I agree. Um, Sorry. I hear from so many working daughters and caregivers in general, you know, this, this feeling of selfishness, if they prioritize anything, whether it be career or kids or, you know, God forbid, a whole other pursuit, you know, a passion pursuit or something. And so I, I created one night, I was ruminating about it. I created what I call the Working Daughter Bill of Rights, and I put it on my, my, uh, my blog. But one of the things, you know, I was thinking about was who says, where does it come from that caregivers don't have a right to their own life? I mean, we absolutely have a right to have a full, rich, busy, meaningful life and caregive. There's no law that says that we can't. Well, you know, that's media pressure, too. So I remember, boy, this would have been 2013, three years ago, there was a large pharmaceutical company that was sponsoring a contest to honor family caregivers. And I was on a conference call with someone who represented the pharmaceutical company talking about this contest. And she said, we really want to honor those who have put their life on hold. (gasps) Oh, my gosh. That's exactly what we don't want people to do. We don't want people to do that. We instead want to share the stories of people who lived and provided care, who kept their life, that didn't feel like I have to give it all up because we know how hard it is to restart it. We want you to keep your life. And I do tell myself this too, because I struggle with it. It does feel odd. It does feel odd. And it feels like you're taking away from someone else and giving to yourself when that's not what it is. That's not what it is. 
I think a layer on top of that or that contributes to that is if we're involved in elder care or if we're caring for someone who is terminally ill, we see a finite amount of time in front of them. And we think, I have my whole life. How can I not, you know, be with them, sacrifice with them when their time here is finite? But really, all of our time is finite. None of us know what's going to happen in an hour or tomorrow. And whether we do or not, we absolutely, like, where does it come from that one life is worth more than another? Right. We, right. I, I love what you were saying. We all have the right to pursue a meaningful, happy life. And if yes. we choose to be loving, caring, supportive caregivers, then that's just awesome. Yeah. I often think about the idea that we sacrifice a lot during caregiving. And we've talked about this before, too, where it's really trying to figure out, well, where's my compromise? So that I move from this idea of sacrificing into this idea of compromise. And let's face it, I know from my own personal experience, if I stopped everything for my parents, I would be miserable and they would be miserable too. I would resent them. I would resent the situation. And that's not how I want to spend their last years. I don't want to spend it in resentment. I want to feel like we enjoyed good moments because I stayed in a good place in my life. And I want to be able to remember that. So key. It's key that we view this as a choice because it really ultimately is. We all have a choice to care or not to care. And doesn't make it easy. It doesn't mean that there won't be times when the balance, you know, the tips of the scale or however, you know, the the scale is Mm -hmm. tipped and unbalanced. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. But that's not forever. And that's why I think if we are constantly evaluating what are my priorities right now, what are my priorities during the B? What are my priorities while he's in the hospital? What are my priorities during rehab? What are my priorities during this big project at work or planning for this conference? And it won't be the same after December as it is in November. So here's the blessing in disguise for no longer doing podcasts on Saturday mornings. (laughs) So my nephews and niece, my sister's children, they're triplets, run cross country and track. And because I gave up that podcast, I then was able to go to their cross country meets last fall, which became the best respite the best break from caregiving I could have ever imagined. And then I was able to continue and be at their track meets in the winter and then in the spring. And I would have, I would have struggled forever (laughs) trying to figure out, should I go, should I have this podcast or should I go to the cross country meet? And so it turned out that the best place for me to be was at the cross-country meet. It's outside. It's in these beautiful, what we call forest preserves in the Chicago area. It's woods, and it's kids just going all out and doing the best that they can. Very inspiring. So it all worked out. What was? And I think there are two what, important steps there, right? I mean, and I, I don't, it's not just the platitude of when one door shuts, the window opens, or, you know, whatever those things are. Right, yes. I think, yeah. you know... <laughs> I think you needed and deserved to be able to grieve what you were giving up because you had worked and earned and built that. And it's not easy to step away from that. 
And yet when you accepted it, you were able to see that there was something else there. So it's okay to feel sorry for ourselves for a period of time and grieve what we give up because we are making some sacrifices. And the sooner we can accept this is my new reality right now, I don't know how long it's going to last, then I think the quicker we're able to see the, the upside when it's there. Yeah, and that's the key. And just think what would have happened if I had sat home on those Saturday mornings and thought, oh, I'd rather be doing a podcast. This is what I need to do. I'd rather be doing a podcast. How mad am I that I'm not doing a podcast? I had let it go. It just came up for me a little bit last yesterday, but I had let it go. And because I let it go, I was able to walk into something else, which ultimately was just completely nurturing and nourishing for me. So you're right. And I think there's one other thing that you mentioned that's really key to point out too is I think it's so, well, we know it's so helpful when we talk about this because yes. like you said, yes. the media pressure, societal yes. pressure, the imagery that we're fed up, things that you mentioned tell us, right, that we should be, yes. you know, all giving and caring and sacrificial and angelic and that's not the reality and when we can talk no. about it then we know that that's not the norm probably what we're feeling is the norm and you know then we can also keep it real so yeah maybe I'm able to study with my son run working daughter work full-time take care of my dad blah 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 you know but guess what people this is a podcast because I have no makeup on my hair is wet it's up in a bun <laughs> I, you know I had a crappy right. breakfast and that's how we do it all. <laughs> and we need to share that too. I just want to mention if you're listening live, we're just about to go off the air. So thank you so much for joining us today. And Liz joins us on the last Thursday of the month at 12.30 p.m. Eastern time. And we're just going to go over another minute or two. And so I wanted to mention one of the contests that we have is the fashion show, which talks about, which really shows what we look like when we care. Let's just. <laughs> Wear it, you know, let's just show it. Let's all be honest about what it looks like in our life so that we don't beat ourselves up believing that someone else provides care in a beautiful outfit with a full face of makeup and really beautiful hair. It doesn't happen. (laughs) It doesn't happen. And I already have my outfit picked out to wear for the fashion show. I'm going to be, oh, I I've wait. appointed myself the MC, and I'm going to wear what I wore to the emergency room at midnight after my dad fell. And it involves a glean of sunscreen and um, shorts <laughs> and a shirt and my hair all over the place because I just woken up from the middle of the night. That's what it looks like. Let's be honest about it. I want to mention, too, I used to do this Caregiver of the Year Award, and I did it for years until everybody else started doing it, and I thought, oh, the heck with it. And one of the requirements was that you had to demonstrate how you kept a life, that you received help from others, that you had hobbies and interests outside of caregiving, because that's the inspiration to show people, I'm doing it, you can do it, too. And I think it's important for us to really speak out against anyone that tells us we have to put our lives on hold because you know what? That is BS. And I was so angry on that conference call that I started a blog post before the conference call even ended. And I had it published, you know, like 10 minutes later because I thought this is just stupid that someone is putting that message out. So I think it's important for us to also talk about the messages which which are inappropriate and for us to really say, 
don't buy in because it's crap. Okay. <laughs> Rant That's over. My, I love it. Yes. <laughs> my soapbox is now back in the closet. Okay, Liz, thank you so much. <gasps> oh, you know what? Just quickly what? before we close, tell us about your intensive on Friday, December 2nd. That's part of the pre-conference agenda. Sure. So um, it's very similar to what we just talked about here today. Um, the intensive is the seven habits of highly successful caregivers. And so um, success, first of all, is defined by how we personally define it. Um, you know, I define it getting all those things done and running around with wet hair and gray roots and, <laughs> and whatever yep. I have to be wearing. But, you know, when it, it's going to look at what are those habits of people like the ones you just described or the concept you just described, Denise, which is we are living our own lives. We are making time for what matters most to us in addition to caregiving. We do buy into and believe that we have a right to a life. We have a right to uh, prioritizing our own health in addition to the health of the people we care for. And so what are some of those limiting beliefs that keep us from getting there? And what are some of those habits that we can adopt and how can we make them habits so that we can move further and further towards um, our own balanced life? So that sounds awesome. So here's the problem that I foresee with our Friday afternoon. How am I going to attend all of these? They all sound so awesome. They all sound so awesome. And there's a, there is a lot for everyone. And you can learn about Liz and her workshop intensive beginning tomorrow. So I'll have the agenda posted. And then you could start registering August 12th, I believe, is the date I have. So I'm so excited about it. And Liz is also going to be a part of the conference on December 3rd. She's going to be moderator and panelist. So she is going to be all over the place. I've put her to work which is very exciting. Well, and I might be sneaking out of my own intensive to go hear the others because they're all so good. <laughs> I know they are all so good. I know they are all so good. And the boy, I mean, that whole day and a half just looks awesome. When I go over that agenda, I think, oh, this is just awesome. And it's fast paced so that there's a lot. And yet, it's paced well so that you still have time to connect and share and really meet others in a way that feels meaningful and powerful. So it's going to be awesome. Yay. Yay. Well, Liz, I think we would talk for the next three hours. So I might as well just say, and that's our show. So we don't keep going. Thank you, Denise. Thank you so much. Always great to have you on. Just a reminder that Liz joins us on the last Thursday of the month at 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time. And Liz, give us your website so we can be in touch. www.workingdaughter.com Excellent. Thanks, everybody, so much for listening. I'm Denise Brown. Be sure to stop by caregiving.com. And let us know how you're doing, because we do always love to know. Thanks, everyone. Take care. Bye-bye.